How's it feeling being home? You got right back to work. Yeah, you got some photos of me doing some drywall projects with my brother. He's uh, He does some renovation-y kind of work. And, uh, you know, it's nice having a clone around to help you every now and then. So I certainly, yeah, got back into it. I got to say, though, you know how there are some activities that you may be really good at and yet you don't necessarily enjoy that much? Yeah. It turns out I'm pretty darn good at, like, drywall finishing. But after about three days of doing it, I'm like... Yeah, it seems really tedious work. I can only listen to so many podcasts or so much music, you know? Yeah, and it's repetitive. Yeah, that's it. Repetitive is the word. So it was, good. it was a good project, though. We spent maybe six days doing it, and it's all done. It looks amazing now. It was kind of one of these, I don't know if you could tell from that photo I sent you, but it was one of these, like, attics converted into living space. So most of the ceiling is, like, all... Um, vaulted, I guess you call it, and um, exposed sort of color ties and stuff. So it's really, really cool space in the end. And there's a chimney going right through it, you know, with some masonry work and stuff. So it looked pretty cool. I bet. But you're going to regret admitting that on air because, you know, Alex is going to want you to do that to his space now. <laughs> it's true. He uh, he did have a little bit of that kind of work. He wanted to build a new wall in his office. And uh, it took me a few days, but I convinced him to do a little, maybe... Maybe hesitate for now and think about doing it later. <laughs> I'm just saying he's got that great attic space. It just needs a little bit of finish work on it. Could be a great recording studio. <laughs> That's true. It's so nice up there. Mm -hmm. There's a little structural work to do there, too. So maybe I can convince him that way not to do it. But yeah, <laughs> it is a nice space. <laughs> now, what he needs to do instead is do a recording shed in the backyard. He's got that beautiful backyard. Put a little recording shed out there. Well, that's nice for him. He's got a, a bunch of options. I think I think if he did that, it would feel like your little dream of having a little studio tucked in the woods because he's got all that, mm -hmm. those trees and stuff in that backyard. It's really nice. I could see it one day, you know, myself, having a little piece of the land on there. You know, I take jupes up there, I parker, and then maybe I, maybe I get like one of them shipping containers or something, you know? And I deck it out with sound insulation and proofings and uh, maybe – a uh, split AC unit and a uh, bunch of silent computers. And I just go crazy. Just go crazy. Some solar panels on top. It generates its own power. Sounds like good content. I think we should get to it. I'm thinking, right? Like we could say the JB <laughs> Studio is powered by the sun. That'd be pretty rad. Hey. Mm -hmm. We know some people that uh, are experts in the uh, the solars, you know? You know the other advantage? Uh, the panels would kind of act as like shade. You've been thinking about this for a while. I'm just that saying. That is an advantage that's not often talked about with solar is that it's it shades your sort of attic space a little bit, and that makes a big difference in the end. Get a little airflow up there to help cool it down. You get a little shade. so it may, And then plus you had a split AC unit. I think, that would, I think that would work just fine if you had enough solar power and battery. I'm thinking a solar shed, right? So on this piece of property, I have a solar shed. It is basically a big shed with some panels on the roof pointed towards the, you know, the, the, the sun as much as I can. And then inside is essentially a battery bank and a large inverter so I can pull jupes up and plug her in. And then as things got, you know, more built out, maybe if I had a well and a septic, over time I'd add a washer and dryer in there so we could park jupes somewhere and have a big, large residential washer and dryer so we could just do a bunch of chores and clean and do uh, laundry and have the battery power to recharge our batteries. Plus, jupes would have our own solar. So, I mean, it'd be great. Chris, where do the racks of pies go? You could have them, I mean, they'd probably be in the recording uh, crate. I don't know what we'd call it. But, yeah, the recording crate, which I'm already taking to. Uh, you, you know, because I think I'd do Reaper on a pie, right? Then I'd have, like, the remote host pie, and I'd have a mumble pie. Really? Do you think they can handle that? 
I mean, maybe in, maybe in a year or two, they'll be like super pies. But. I don't know. I don't Doesn't know. Jeff Gearling have a, a system for racking up pies and putting them in like a regular data <laughs> <racks? laughs> Probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah, you could see it. I mean, you've, you know, you maybe like the CM4, or the CM5. You could just have a wall panel of, oh, man, imagine just a wall panel with, with modules mounted and, and they're just doing different studio tasks on, on one wall mount. Minimum clean wires running into it because you just need USB interfaces. Oh, all net booting. So they're all running off centralized storage, which would be solid state. Woo. All running off Ethernet. POE if I could. Maybe I'd get little hats or whatever, you know, carrier boards that do POE. I mean, I'm just saying. Imagine if the only connection they had was the Ethernet. So we're, we were doing audio over Ethernet as well and, and POE. So you got you got a, a cluster-ish. They'd all be separate machines, but basically a cluster of compute modules that have carrier boards that support POE, and that's all that's going to them. And it's all DC. Oh, my goodness. I'm just telling you. Uh, man can dream. I tell you what. Sounds that's great. I'll start thinking about it now, so that way after I spend loads of money trying to get jupes fixed up, I can I can inch her up there one day and plop her on that piece of property and then begin building my base around her podcast compound. It's Office Hours with Chris. Hello, everyone. Welcome into my office. At least twice a month I open the door and say, hey, come on in. Other than that, it's closed all the time, but it's open right now. We're live noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on a Tuesday over jblive.tv, chatting with our mumble room and our matrix room. Brent and I were just trading different stories back and forth. Hello, Brantley. How are you doing? You're back home now. Hello. I'm good. Yeah, I'm back home. And the stories we tell each other, Chris, there are many. <laughs> we should like do a podcast with them or something like that. Oh, that's a good idea. We got to figure out how to do that. You know where we always get great stories, Brent? Meetups. On the way to the meetups, I think <laughs> that's really what you mean. <laughs> that was my like, hey, Brent, you could plug the fact that we're going to have a oh, meetup. Oh, segue, segue. All right, you know, all right but here like we go. real smooth, clearly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're good. You're good. It turns out that Alex has been scheming a little bit to uh, have a meetup in London. Now, this is not London, Ontario for all you people in my neck of the woods. This is like London, London, the real one. Uh, he's going to be headed there August 6th and he has a meetup. And, uh, you know, I, I checked out the page earlier this morning and there are already 40 people who say they're going to be attending. I did see a Wimpy's name on there. I didn't get to browse everybody, but um, I really want to go now. I know. And I, I just not long ago said yes to something in the first week of August here at home. And I don't know if I could go anyways, but now I like to think that's what I get for committing ahead of time to something. You know, like, I'm like, oh, dang it. Yeah. You know how I have a whole thing about that. You know. You got to choose wisely. Are you going to try? It turns out Alex also booked me ahead of time and uh, he would like me to uh, dog sit for him during that time. So <laughs> I think he's made it so I can't go. So I don't know what's going on. Are you on. really? Yeah. So are you Are you telling me? Are you telling me? Are you are you going to fly to North Carolina, to Raleigh, North Carolina, to dog sit? I think also they're hoping to see me in that time. But um, yeah, it turns out Archie is uh, pretty amazing. But they're going to be leaving. Yeah, but he's got the drum, the fancy drum kit, and he's got all the machines and stuff I could play with and break. So uh, 3D printing, maybe. It's true. It's true. We'll see. We'll see. 
I just remember you're going to be on camera. You know how that goes. Mm-hmm. I'll be checking in on you. Mm-hmm. Friend up yeah, I know. I, I got duct tape. It's fine. <laughs> I hope this happens. Meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting if you're in the London area and uh, maybe you could go. I mean, 40 people. It's probably going to happen now. I don't think there's any going back. So Yeah, I don't know if they have any pubs big enough for 40 people. Uh, that might be a problem. So we'll see what happens. We got big website updates today. Big website energy. Before we get there, just a couple of podcast news items I wanted to cover here in the office. Just keeping an eye on things. I thought this was pretty funny because dynamically inserted ads are a hot topic in podcasting right now. This is one of the biggest trends sweeping podcasting that we are not participating in, but just about everybody else is, uh, especially the pod, the uh, Spotify platform. And they had a bit of a technical faux pas this week. They started putting booze ads on all different kinds of podcasts as banner ads and whatnot. In fact, some you could even click to buy the booze. I think it was Wild Turkey. But the automated system ended up putting ads on podcasts about sobriety and alcoholism, even ones where you could click and buy immediately. There were also a bunch of fake sex worker podcasts submitted to the podcast index that Spotify just auto accepted and started placing booze ads on. Oh my goodness. Just like, I don't know. Like, and of course Spotify, a spokesperson said on Saturday, they made a technical error that caused uh, the ads featuring wild Turkey brand incorrectly be placed on a number of podcasts. Sure. (laughs) Spotify, you know, they fix it. Right. But the damage is done. Imagine, imagine you were listening to a podcast about, Something for something for alcoholics that are trying not to drink, right? And it's about that topic. And you see an ad for Wild Turkey on there. That's like the worst of the worst. Don't you think most people would blame the podcaster? They wouldn't think it was Spotify that placed it there. They'd think the podcaster. No, no, of course. Of course. I wonder if that's how they, they learned of it. You know, they got some feedback into the podcast and the podcast was like, wait a second. And I think that's really what happens when you start taking humans away from this whole process, right? Um, you start getting just... Things that humans would never do to each other, which is unfortunate. Which is a rampant problem on the YouTube platform. And there is a just a a really kind of gross thing happening where a couple of the biggest tracking or sponsor uh, number collating uh, businesses, I don't have a better term for them, they're middlemen that basically track podcast downloads and then sell ads to advertisers at scale. PodTrack is one of them. Libsyn is in this business as well. Several others are. And they're always kind of putting information out there that's harmful to podcasts. I never quite get it. Usually they're like, it's like information to lower the podcast ad rates. Or or now it's essentially a research paper they've posted that says that uh, podcasters who post their podcast to YouTube see a much better engagement. And the PodTrack white paper says that they did an analysis of audio and video podcasts that post to YouTube and discovered they have much higher engagement. Why is this? This seems like a kind of a good thing. Like we're on YouTube right now, right? This is maybe, maybe this is a good thing. I'll tell you what's going on. And this is becoming alarming. And I, I, I try not to focus on the negative, so I'll just touch on this briefly. There is a ginormous shift in the podcast marketing spending towards YouTube. Google gives them the ability to kind of slice and dice the demographics in a way that podcasts just don't expose that data. And they have also a much higher click rate in general. 
supposedly, because of the link down in the description stuff that's such a prominent thing on YouTube. And so you're already seeing a ginormous shift in podcast advertising spend from podcast to YouTube. And so when you have groups like PodTrack coming out and saying this stuff, they're really only kind of undermining the actual podcast market. But there, here's the reality of it, is there is some truth. There, there is reasons to be on YouTube. The ad platform is automatic. It scales automatically. There is a lot of data that advertisers can request. They love that kind of stuff. There is pretty good engagement. You know, you got the comment section there. You do have the description box. And there's generally, depending on, you know, uh, your channel, a pretty good community over there. Sometimes not. But it's a different audience, right? And all different audiences are valuable. And the podcaster audience is generally somebody who's, you know, commuting or maybe they're doing chores or they're going for a walk or a bike ride or they're drywalling, you know, they're, they're an attic that their brother's working on, right? Like, uh, it's people that are generally doing something, maybe uh, people that are decision makers at their work. Like it's a different category of audience uh, and they're all good audiences. But instead of doing research on that and getting those answers, which I can tell you from 15 years of doing this, I've tried all the different platforms and I clearly think that the podcast audience is the best audience out there. And there's I have solid, pretty core reasons for that, for that belief. And there's things they could go do to verify that. Anybody who's passionate about this industry would know what some of those things are and would, could, could if they had the time and, and money and resources to make white papers, they could go write those white papers and bolster the podcast industry. But instead, you have PodTrack, which is a very common, we've used them, we do use them for some of our links to track downloads. And then that lets advertisers know that there's a third party arbitrating the data that says, yep, this is verifiable. Even though we keep our own numbers and they're accurate, we need them to be. In fact, they're better than PodTrack's numbers. PodTrack is just there because we can use them as a third party to verify those numbers that we have. A lot of people use it for that. And they're not really helping the podcast industry with this kind of stuff. But maybe it's just more of the trend that way. It's sort of shifting anyways, Brent. You know what I mean? Like I feel like with the boosts, and the really positive response to the value for value model and kind of just the parabolic adoption we're seeing in other areas of the podcast. I, I don't know. I feel like the maybe maybe this stuff just doesn't matter because more and more podcasters and more and more audience members are kind of getting it all figured out. I mean, that's sort of the silver lining here. Podcasting is kind of maturing quite a bit in the even in the last what two or three years. Feels like it was kind of on a steady trend, but then like you said, there's this exponential Innovation, maybe, is what we we can call it. Especially, you know, we're seeing with the podcast 2.0 stuff, even just the technical features that are we're seeing coming down the pipe is super, 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 super fun. So I think it's good for us if we're concentrating in the areas that we think work, right? Yeah, and I think you're seeing a consolidation in other areas. So you're you're seeing the decentralized podcast industry. I think you're seeing it get stronger. I think that's what you're just touching on there. And I think on the other side, you're seeing sort of a, a commercialization and consolidation, a solidification of some elements that have always been really commercial elements of the podcast industry. So this morning, for example, or maybe it was last night as we record, SiriusXM announced that they have acquired the podcast producer team for Team Coco. They produce Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, which is a very popular podcast. And they've entered into a five-year talent agreement with the company. According to the Wall Street Journal, the reported value of the deal is at $150 million. So they cut Conan a check for $150 million, and now SiriusXM is running the podcast. They did that not too long ago with Megyn Kelly, 
as well. So they're trying to acquire some of the bigger names with some of the larger distribution. So you are seeing a consolidation there. And of course, those are very traditional. Sounds a bit like a Joe Rogan thing, doesn't it? It very much does, huh? Like that's just like we're just seeing more of that. And the companies that have the money to spend, like Sirius, like they're <laughs> funny, right? Because their business is supposed to be satellite radio. But I, I wonder, I, I wonder if the podcast stuff isn't a way larger audience for them. I would imagine it is. Certainly. I mean, I can't remember the last time I listened to satellite radio in like a rental car or something. It's always podcasts that I have bring with me. So I, I would imagine podcasting is, is squashing their main business and they got to diversify. All right. Well, a little bit of JB stuff, including uh, some uh, website stuff that we've been working on. But really, just briefly, I wanted to mention with the decentralized podcast stuff and the value for value. For a few weeks, I'm experimenting with 15% of all of the boosts that come into Office Hours and Linux Unplugged are being sent to OpenSats. We've included OpenSats in our split. So when you contribute to this show via a boost, 15% of it will be split to OpenSats. They're supporting contributors on Bitcoin and other free open source projects. This is something I've wanted to try is can we give a little bit of a cut to different open source projects? And I like OpenSats because they're donating 100% of what they receive to open source projects. They are a full charity in the U.S. here. They are, what, a 5013C or whatever it is. Probably getting that wrong, but that's you can find it out on their website at OpenSats.org. And they pass through 100%, and we're sending it to their general fund. All of that will be given to open source free software developers. I love this idea. And so I wanted to help support them because I'm I'm at least hoping it encourages other free software projects to turn on a lightning address. And then we could start including them in splits and we could kind of share the love around a little bit. The concept of giving a little bit to projects has always been something we've wanted to do. I, I know for me personally, but um, I've run up to the challenge, as you know, of it just being difficult to give to a bunch of different projects at the same time. So I'm hoping this solves a little bit of that. If only the implementation details can be, you know, smooth enough to make it fairly easy for projects to sign up and also for people like us to be on the other side and to make those donations possible in an easy kind of fashion. So that brings me to, I guess, asking you about some of the implementation details that I'm always so curious about. Like, I know you have your little node uh, at the studio, and I wondered how easy it was for you to get connected to the OpenSats uh, in a way to do splits. You, I don't think you touched on that yet. And I'm curious, you know, I've seen you open channels to like the podcast index and such, but how was it this time around? This is why I'm, it's a good question, because this is kind of one of the reasons I'm excited about this. So uh, we just entered them in as a split in our RSS feed. There's a value namespace tag that Podcasting 2.0 has created. And you can just add multiple value tags and you just put a percentage of the split. So I'm giving them a 15% split. I don't even have to open a channel. I don't even have to say anything to them. I just go get their public lightning address. I put it in my split. And now they just get 15% of all the boosts. That's pretty awesome. It's so easy. What I love about that is that makes it really easy for me in a few weeks to put a different open source project in there and then put a different open source project in there, right? It's real low effort, super straightforward, and I'm very excited about that because, you know, I mean, imagine like um, we're, we have on, say, a developer who's working on an open source project that we like. Uh, we just include them in the splits that week. Or Stefan, who we're about to chat with, is working on our website. If he had a lightning address, I could put him in as a split this week so he gets some sats for helping us out, you know, and that, I think, could help 
just build community and help encourage people to contribute to free software projects. And I think it's pretty great. No, the recipients don't actually know. So we're getting asked by Cuball if the recipients know who it comes from. They could. There's there's on-chain an, uh, analytics that OpenSats could probably look into, but no. Chris, you mentioned implementing this as a like a RSS feed level split. I was curious if there's an episode level split or if that's something that uh, they're looking into. Yes. So you can do that. We would need to be generating our own RSS feeds to do that. There's um, a lot of ways you can solve this problem. I'm just putting the split in at the podcast index level. But if we managed our own feed, you could have default show splits. And then we could have per episode splits that we put into the feed entry for that episode. That is very cool. Yeah, that's going to be fire. So I'm very, I'm very much like excited about that. So I wanted to kick a little over to OpenSats to A, help some open source projects. They have my absolute favorite Bitcoin wallet as one of the, there's a bunch of good projects on there, but one of the recipients is the Sparrow project, which makes, I think the wallet I feel the most comfortable recommending to the audience. It's technical, but it's, it's a really good product. And there's a few other things they support on there that I really like too, and a bunch of other projects. So uh, now before we get to Stefan, one more thing. I want to talk about a question that we've gotten in on various platforms. We also received it in our GitHub thread where we're talking about our new website. And like Reese here, he says, what about using something like Castabod for the new Jupiter Broadcasting? It's a podcast host that supports podcasting 2.0 and it can be self-hosted and has a paid offering. I think it bundles a homepage for multiple podcasts as well, but I'm not sure. This is a really good question. So Castapod is an awesome open source project. And yeah, you can also self-host it. It's really something that I should be talking more about. And if you wanted to start a podcast today and you wanted to self-host it and you wanted a platform to help you do that, I really, really think Castapod would be worth looking at. Castapod.org. It's like a fireside in a box and, uh, you know, a, a whole podcasting hosting platform, but with support for all the great 2.0 features right there from the beginning, like things like clips, trailers, transcripts, and of of course, value value for value support like boosts. I really love this project. I wish it was a solution for us because, you know, we could deploy this in an afternoon and <laughs> we're good to go. Um, but Castapod would be probably perfect for us if we had Linux unplugged and Linux Action News. Maybe we just did those two shows or something like that, right? But what we are looking for is something that accommodates a whole network of shows and allows us to push forward in areas when we want to push forward instead of having to wait for the vendor platform to push forward. And I say that from a lot of years of just trying one platform after another. Initially, we started on a single server using WordPress, and then we used WordPress plugins to accomplish a lot of this. Then we moved to the scale engine system and we we came up with uh, a, a scale engine approach to WordPress and kind of expanded on the original idea and built in CDNs and all that kind of stuff. And then ultimately, we moved a lot of the hosting work over to Fireside, which is a pretty great platform. And you've seen a lot of my friends in the Linux podcasting space move over to it as well to host their podcasts. And that has worked pretty well for us. But as new things develop in the podcasting space, we have to wait on Fireside to deliver them. Or there's some features we've been waiting on Fireside to deliver, like network support, for like three and a half years, and they just haven't delivered on it. So we don't have like one cohesive Fireside-powered website. We still have to maintain a separate jupiterbroadcasting.com website, which is WordPress. That's not ideal. But also we want to be able to control our own RSS feeds like we just talked about for reasons that are pretty obvious to anybody listening at this point. 
And we want to be able to have, you know, power over that sort of stuff. And we ultimately find that while these platforms work for us for a few years, we always eventually outgrow them. So the thinking has been, what if we stuck with using open source tools and free software and all that stuff, but we went down a layer? So instead of using these end result products like Castapod or Fireside, we use the tools that they could be using to build those things. So we do things like we create an ingestion system that maybe is based around GitHub Actions that then can do things like generate a website for us once a static website, once a show has been posted. And maybe there's tooling we could use in there like Hugo to help accomplish some of that, but it's just part of one of the solutions, right? Because when you think about what we do from a publishing house standpoint, we record a file here. We record multiple tracks here in the studio. We deliver that to our editors who are wonderful individuals. And it's mostly Drew, right? Drew and Drew and Marius now. Drew is our lead editor now. He does his job of like making us sound better and making us sound more intelligent. And then he publishes that as a flack up to an encoding system that we've built called Castablasta. And that generates audio files like MP3. It generates a YouTube video visualizer. It creates a WordPress post. It it creates RSS feed entries. It uploads the MP3 to Fireside. It, it does a lot of back-end things. And what we want to do is sort of streamline that process and make it a little bit simpler with a more consistent source of truth based around a GitHub workflow where we check things in. People can do pull requests against them to fix them. That's all logged and tracked there. Kicks off GitHub Actions. That goes out and builds things like the post. It does the uploads. And 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 that's where we're getting to. And instead of relying on one built-in CMS that has all these features, when we want to add something new to the RSS feed, well, we're just adding a new line to the XML file we're generating. And so instead of using the end result of the uh, tooling, we're going to use the tooling that creates that stuff. Is basically where we're going with this. And so while Castapod would be a great solution if we were looking for the end result, we're now deciding we're going to get to the point where none of these platforms have ever really fit us. So we're going to use some of the same primitives to build the tooling we need without going crazy. And so that's why we've been really kind of hung up on how do we want to get all this like workflow stuff figured out? Because the website is important, but it's an implementation detail. And thankfully, Stefan has come along and he's provided what is essentially an MVP of a statically generated website that I'm looking at and thinking, there's a lot here already. Like, this has been really impressive. So, Stefan, welcome into the office. Thanks for being here. How you doing? Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm doing fine. I hope you are well, too. Good evening to you. I know it's late where you're at, so I appreciate you coming on here. You created this Hugo-powered MVP of a Jupiter Broadcasting website. Can you just tell us a little bit about what it is and how it's being built and all that stuff? Give us an overview here. So it basically is like um, a Hugo Static site um, and um, it has also the capabilities to um, yeah, deploy multiple pages from the same source. So meaning you have the Jupyter Broadcast Overview site and then you can, for example, build the Coda Radio subsite from that source as well. And that's uh, then just has the Coda Radio episodes and so on, not all shows. And um, yeah, then I went from there. It's able to generate um, XML feeds. It has a video player, um, an audio player with like chapter support, uh, yeah, markdown support for the show notes. Um, the hosts are linked from a from a central location, so only one 
one file per person exists and that is linked to the episode. Same goes for like guests and sponsors and so on. And I I just started like f for fun and then I, <laughs> I I got really far in like four or five hours and then it, it, yeah, got a bit crazy from there on. And yeah, so I've worked for a week on that. It's all deployed and built using GitHub Actions and I think it checks like a lot of boxes you had as a requirement for what you want to do. And um, yeah, I, I just wanted to prove that it's possible and, and viable to do so. I'm really glad you did because I had suspected Hugo could be a route to go for us. We hadn't really picked on a, you know, landed on a technology yet, but I know in the back of my mind, I was thinking maybe it's going to be Hugo. And so what you've done here is basically shown us that with a markdown file, you can generate a lot of the website kicked off from GitHub, which is sort of the exact model we're thinking about. We still have internally questions around how we want to generate RSS feeds and how we want to host those RSS feeds and all of that. But I think what you've created here is a good starting point for us to tweak the design a little bit. But basically the bones of this thing, we could we could make the website. It's it's like not but not that far. It's like probably 70% of the way there, if not more. I know you also kind of added a CMS element to this, which I thought was interesting. And I didn't realize that even was a thing with Hugo. So yeah, that was maybe uh, due to my not being a native English speaker, but lost in translation. So um, I built something. So I, I have the problem now that I have to generate like a lot of markdown files for all the shows. I probably have to do this over and over because I tweaked the front matter in Hugo where the episode information lives and so on. And I wanted a way to have like um, a single point of truth where I can query data in a structured manner, be it from Fireside sites or from Hub and so on. And um, so I've installed a headless CMS, um, which is basically a CMS without a front end and just a REST API. And then I um, built a Python scraper, a content scraper that goes over Jupyter Hub and Fire sites, and then creates hosts, post shows, and so on from there. And then I can just like generate with also Python script the markdown files for Hugo for all the shows and all the archive and so on. So that's basically yeah to to get the legacy content in. That is so amazing. You know, I could see us down the road when we get to this uh, fabled source of truth where we're we're essentially checking a YAML file into GitHub, which this YAML file will contain all the details about the episode. I could see that being what generates the website when we get to that point. Yeah, yeah right. So everything is generated from Markdown files in, in Hugo and from the GitHub repository. But I just want to make it easier to generate those Markdown files for the archive. This is so cool. Uh, what I want to do is try to get uh, a few of us on a call like with Wes on here and Alex and uh, Brent and myself and talk more about this, you know, at another time when we're not when we're not recording and just sort of start working out the details, because I think this is the direction to go. I think Wes probably has a few questions and I know you probably there's more you want to tell us and show us. Yeah, sorry. I'm yeah. No, I, <laughs> no, no. Don't be sorry at all. Thank you so much for doing this. This is so great. What I really appreciate about it is. It, it lets us focus on the workflow stuff, which is really where Wes and I have been spending the most time thinking because that's the stuff we hit up against every single day. And it's the stuff that we have the most uh, eyes on, right? Whereas this is something that we really can get help with. And so I really appreciate, Stefan, you stepping up and doing that and, and also for sticking around this evening and coming on and telling about it live. 
Yeah, super happy, super happy to do so. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you, and keep up the great work. We'll stay in touch. You and I are chatting on Matrix, so we'll we'll uh, we'll keep talking. See you soon. Bye. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Wow. And there he goes. There, he, look at him. What a handsome bastard that guy is, too. Really appreciate him. Thank you, sir. Just browsing through the discussions that were happening on GitHub, um, where we, I think it was Office Hours three, we we sort of kicked that off. Um, man, the discussions have been amazing. There, exchanging ideas and different technologies, and just like asking important questions. It's a really great read, actually. I would highly suggest you just diving in there if you're at all interested in the the back end of all of this. It's been pretty amazing. Yeah, and we've been kicking around some of the links. Hey, what do you think of this idea? Like, even though we haven't always, like, I've been driving and traveling so much, but we've still been ju- jumping in there, and then we'll see, like, a link show up on our Slack, and so we'll be like, what do you think of this idea? So it's been great. It's been really, it's been really, really nice, and I think it's helped us really get some good ideas that maybe we wouldn't have even considered in the first place. Yeah, I think a huge thank you to everyone who uh, who really shared ideas and is are really active in there. Uh, to everybody, you... Yeah, thanks a lot. It's been been amazing. What do you say we do some boosts? Boost. That first one, Eric Parday wrote in three days ago with uh, 15,000 sats. Thank you. Thank you, sir. And he had a note in here about Fountain showing show notes versus other apps. He says, thanks, guys. Speaking of Fountain, um, I'm not sure why, but Fountain seems to be cutting off the links. When you compare it to, say, Pocket Casts, you can see that there is a lot more notes. And he included some screenshots for us, which is nice. In a boost, probably not the super easiest thing to do either. Uh, And you can see it. And I've noticed this too. I'm not sure what's up. I'm probably going to have to try to talk to Oscar. In Fountain, you get like the episode description. And and that's kind of it. But in Pocket Cast, you get all of the links and all the stuff that we spent a lot of time curating. (laughs) You know, and the sponsored by, which is also pretty important. (laughs) We work super hard on that stuff. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we do. So it's like, hmm. (laughs) I can't believe neither of us have noticed that, considering how much time we spent with Fountain. Yeah, I know. I know. It's It shows you like, well, for our stuff, like I go in there to clip our stuff. I don't go in there to look at the links because... Yeah, I know. I know we do. <laughs> yeah, but I do. I do appreciate it. We know what the links are. All right, we got one from the Golden Dragon. He says, "Thanks for another great office hour session. What I'm the most excited about in the 2.0 spec for podcasting is that I can support this network shows without breaking the bank. Strike and Fountain FM was a super easy setup to get up and running. Boostograms are fun, and of course, I like the value for value aspect a lot as well." Hopefully the splits work out because the ideas in this episode were fantastic. I'm glad to hear uh, that you like the splits, Golden Dragon, because you're a frequent booster. And I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on us, including open sats for a little bit as our first trial and experimentation. I mean, we're going to do Brent, too, as well, but he's got to get a lightning note up and running that stays up and running. <laughs> That's got to be a thing. Somewhere in the world, anyways. You know, Alex, Alex crushed my last one, so we'll see. I might have come across an application that would let me run multiple node addresses, and so I could run like a bank account for you on my node or something like that. Oh, I see. You're going to charge me fees, though, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> that's a great idea. That's a great idea. <laughs> I have seen at like um, NorCal Dad was saying uh, that he doesn't see the ability to boost office hours in Fountain. I think there's like two feed entries in there, and I'm not sure what's going on. So I have a couple of. I have a couple of things I got to talk to the Fountain FM developers about. Thankfully, they've been really awesome and super responsive. So I don't think it'll be a problem. But yeah, that is definitely going to be on my list of to-dos this week. B-O-O-S-T!
TV Titan boosted in seven days ago with 3,333 sats. Thanks for office hours. I've been enjoying them. Would you guys consider leaving the video version on YouTube after the stream? Uh, I prefer to catch the show on my TV. Yeah, I know what you mean. I actually, when I go home in the evenings, I you know this, Brent. I watch a fair amount of YouTube on the TV. I think it's a really nice way to kind of feel even more connected when you're watching a podcast or something like that, you know? So well, you know, Podtrack says. Oh well, it's true. Ooh, all the way around. <laughs> I've been noodling this in my head a bit because we're practicing with video in office hours and for self-hosted as well. And the only problem is, is we we screw around a lot on the pre-show and we cut some of that out in the MP3 or most of that out in the MP3 that we release. Yeah, quite a bit. And Drew cleans up mistakes and makes it sound better, so it's much better in the car or in your headphones. But I could see leaving the video version up on YouTube and maybe we just don't publish the audio version to YouTube. I could see doing that. I've also been considering if I could find a community member that would work with me and wanted to be the admin of a JB PeerTube instance, I think I'd like to start publishing our stuff to PeerTube, maybe using that for live streaming and putting the videos up there. It's basically camera capture of the recording session. If we expand that out to LUP and those shows, we'd probably start posting that on PeerTube as well. So if anybody out there is listening and is a PeerTube enthusiast, like you know PeerTube, and would like to help run it, you can run it on my infrastructure. I have a Linode ready to go, but I don't want to be in charge of it beyond having an admin account because I, if you go to jupiter.tube right now, I have a Hugo page up there, speaking of Hugo, where I identify all the issues that I ran into with running PeerTube at scale. And I reread that this morning, and I think some of those things still are valid. But if somebody was willing to generate the you know uh, the back end stuff and or um, the time and de- dedicate the time to it for the back end and for managing it then we could probably make it work we could start posting stuff over there but i don't know what do you think should we leave this up on youtube the booster wants it who is it tv titan he wants it up on youtube i mean he sent in a boost i mean appropriate name isn't it yeah it is <laughs> you're right i get your hesitation and i i am feeling the same way as you for some of the other shows we have that sort of uncut total live feed for members as a nice perk and and i think that's a really attractive because this sort of really clean polished you know all the work that that our editors do to make us sound far more intelligent um is sort of the public facing part of the podcast which i i think is like a good demonstration of the quality we're always chasing and the raw stuff is really just you know once once you're cozy with that and you know that that's the quality that we have, then you kind of want a little bit of dirt in there from time to time just to get some uh, some some tasty bits of, I don't know, the stuff that happens before and after the show. So, But you want your first impression to be like the best cut of you. Exactly. Maybe, it, maybe this could be an office hours perk, perhaps, that we think about, but I would hesitate to throw it out as a raw. I think the question you're raising there is, who is the YouTube audience? Are they like new discoveries or are they people who follow the network already? I think that's one question. And I think the other question is, because YouTube is a video medium, does the rawness sort of not matter because it's superseded by the video aspect, which is what the platform is built around? Because you see like the views on the waveform videos are very low, as you would expect them to be on YouTube, right? I don't know. We're not getting a lot of engagement with the audio waveform already. I'm not sure we could experiment with it would probably be my my preferred way to do it would be to have our own peer tube instance. And then people because that is 
people specifically seeking us out, intentionally going somewhere. They're already kind of, they already know about it because they heard about it from us. So they're getting the raw thing, but they're getting the raw thing because they've chosen to. And then the public facing thing should go on YouTube, I would think. But I'd be willing to experiment. We could try it with this episode. I'd have to let Wes know. We have to make a little tweak to the publishing system so it doesn't publish the other one. But you follow what I'm saying there? Like PeerTube might be the better place for like the more uncut stuff. Because mm-hmm, it sort of self-selects a little bit for people who already know that the kind of the kind of stuff we typically do. You know, the real way to do it would be to do what Bitcoin did podcast does, which is a super clean video thing. But I, I remember now it's been a few years you decided to stop doing all of that. So that's another tricky thing, right? It's like, how much do you push that envelope and then you get into the same territory that uh, that we were in previously? So that's another question. Oh, I kind of like what we're doing now is we're doing a live stream. You know, we've got we've got cameras going. We've got a couple of camera angles, but it's not really relevant to the show. It doesn't really change the aspect. What It doesn't change any of the content. And nobody's editing it. It's just it goes out as it is. It's like a separate thing. And I think that's how I prefer to have it. I could see it. I think if I ever want to get into like actual video shows, I'd want to shoot it for video, you know. And Yeah, you'd want to do it well. You know, we'd set up more than just my crap webcam here and stuff like that. We, we know how to do it better. <laughs> Funny enough, your crap setup there kind of betrays the fact that when you're when you're actually working and you're on location setting up a camera shot, you put an enormous amount of effort. You're kind of like a MacGyver of lighting, too. You're very clever. I'm uncomfortable with my situation right now, so I don't know if that shows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, we got just a couple of thank you boosts in, too. So thank you to Pitar, who sent us an F yeah for boosts, and Tokyo Trucker, who was uh, streaming sats while he listened. Thanks to both of you. If you'd like to send us a boost or try out any of the new podcasting and 2.0 stuff, you can go to newpodcastapps.com. I will link in the show notes to Office Hours on Podverse. Podverse is interesting. It does support value. It supports clips. It supports podcasting 2.0. What I'm kind of digging about Podverse is it has a full-featured web podcast player, and then it has an Android app and an iOS app. I think it has like a membership system, though. I haven't got into that, any of that, but I've been checking it out. So I'll link to Office Hours on Podverse if you want to try it out. Otherwise, the app that I, be, I use on the daily is Fountain. I, I have, you can follow me on Fountain. I'm at Chris LAS. I have a profile there. And I'm cranking out clips from time to time of our shows and the various shows that I listen to. So that's kind of one of the nice things that, that Fountain has going for it. If you're into the clips, which initially I wasn't. And then I end up sticking around for the clips. And now I'm all about the clips. Yeah, the clips are pretty tasty. Yeah, and they let you share web versions and they'll generate video versions. It's slick. It's a nice implementation, isn't it? And we talked about discovering new podcasts that way too because uh, you get a little bit of a preview too. And so I think it's great. Here's the thing, Brent. Here's the thing. And this is the this is the Lord's truth about podcasting. Really nobody wants to take the chance on like an hour-long podcast or, long, or 45 minute or two-hour podcast just randomly. If you're maybe super into something and you're looking that up, you'll do it, right? But- Generally, especially like a show like this show or some show that's kind of more general, you're going to need somebody to recommend it to. You're going to need word of mouth. That is the number one version of marketing, right? It's word of mouth. Oh, yeah. I think it's probably always going to be by a strong lead, the number one form of marketing for podcasts. But I could see a world where a distant number two is clips because I've probably started listening to two or three different podcasts now because I found a clip of them first that somebody in our community shared with me. And I get it. I get it because sometimes there's a little nugget in one of those podcasts and you're like, oh, I like that. Maybe I'll go listen to the rest of them. And I end up tapping and following their whole, their whole show. 
I am excited about clips. I don't expect it to be huge. They're a little tedious sometimes, but I can see it being a nice way to share the show. So if you want to make a clip and share it, have at it. You know what I'm saying? All right, Brian, I think that's everything, yeah? I think we're done. Sounds good. Yeah, I don't have anything on my list left, so I think we're uh, in good shape. All right, officehours.hair slash five for links of what we talked about today. You can find our RSS feed over there, too. we got a lot of projects. I wanted to talk more about the summer road trip. If you're in the West Coast area, listen up. we got big plans for the summer, and there's going to be something really special at the end of the road trip. It's only going to be available to a limited amount of people. You'll understand why. It's not a price thing or anything like that. It's just because the facility is only so large. But we'll we'll tell you. we got so many more details on all of that coming up soon. So be sure you're subscribed. Lots of adventures over the summer. Lots of projects. New website stuff. All of it. Officehours.hair. Slash subscribe. You can send a boost into the show as well to uh, give us feedback and give us ideas. We'll cover them on the next episode. Anyway, it's time to get out of here. Office is closed. Close. Yeah. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. <laughs> Thanks for being here. <laughs>